show today and no contest winners the contest will be drawn next week so you can go to the websites and still enter i don't know what what the book the, they're listed there and i appreciate all the kind words i can't respond to them all i can't uh, reading them i i haven't read them all i see the subject line i see the first line in the preview and it's just a weird thing where you're sitting there and you just don't want to think about it, but it's all you can think about. And, you know, you don't want to talk about it, but it's all you end up talking about. And the waves just come and go, and it sucks. But, you know, you take comfort in the fact that it's what he would have wanted, how he would have wanted it. And you got more time than, you know, probably we thought we would. But anyway, uh, they're not going to be here today. Probably won't be here tomorrow. Maybe not Wednesday. I don't know. Some point this week, I'll be back. I just haven't. I'm not even following the news. I don't know what the hell's going on. But I'm looking at the old interviews and the ones I have saved on this computer are what you're going to get. So it looks like it's going to be Bo Snerdly. I'm going to do Bo Snerdly. I don't know when this is from or what it's about. It's from about a year ago. And so, um, yeah, enjoy. Welcome back to the program. I'll never forget the day I heard that coming down the headphones, sitting in front of a microphone, scared to death, soiling myself, going, oh, my God, I'm about to talk. Uh, the day I had the great honor of filling in for Rush Limbaugh, and it's a great honor, again, to welcome back the producer of the Rush Limbaugh Show and the official call screener and the official Obama criticizer. His name is James Golden, but you know him by Bo Snurdly. How are you doing, my friend? Derek, I'm okay. Good to be with you. How are you doing? I'm doing, every time it's a Friday, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, you, uh, of course, years, decades with the Rush Limbaugh show and then the horrible loss of Rush, just it, it's still not over it. It was what I listened to on the radio. It's all I listened to on the radio. And to keep the legacy alive, you have launched a new podcast, Rush Limbaugh, the man behind the golden EIB microphone. Uh, you've always mm-hmm. you've always had the stories, and you get the stories out of you a little bit talking to you. But now, it, it the the Rush Limbaugh family, and I know three people who work worked for Rush for a long, long time. It's a very tight knit group and a very protective group. This new podcast, you're letting people into areas that you didn't previously let them into. How? How did the podcast come about, and how does it feel doing it and letting that that the the, the sort of wall down? It came about. Uh, I was asked to do it uh, by Julie Talbot, who's the president uh, of Premier Networks, and Craig Kitchen, who I don't even know what Craig's title is. Craig is just Mister Everything. He's uh, <laughs> Craig has been working with the show in executive capacity for for many years. He's the founder of Premier Networks before he. Went to a, uh, to move on to another company of his own, and so they asked me would I be interested in hosting a podcast series on on Rush and the life of Rush, and I of course said immediately yes I would. Um, uh, that was one that was for me a no brainer. Um, it is it is um, an awesome responsibility because we're trying to with the podcast series. I have two amazing producers, broadcast producers working with me. Philip Tower and uh, Chris Kelly, 
And what we're trying to do is create <clears throat> what, what you, exactly what you said, Derek, which is kind of a look behind the scenes. And, yeah, that hasn't been done so far on the program, at least not to any great degree. It's a 12-part series, so there'll be 12 episodes. The first one is out this week, was out Wednesday of this week. And, um, and we encourage people to uh, download it wherever they download their podcast from. It's called Rush Limbaugh, the man behind the golden EIB mic. And um, it feels like a weight in a way because we want it to be excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want it to live up to the standards of the EIB network, the standards that Rush has. Of course, I feel that I would want Rush to be proud of every single second of it if you were able to hear it. And so there's a lot of anxiety from my part. Just we want it to be compelling. And well, I, I can tell you, as a, a longtime listener since like '89, when he first came on in Detroit, to the end, I listened to the first episode, and it it, it exceeded. It exceeded. It was, the, the first episode is called "Most Difficult Day." And you recount, it also features, it's a biography, but it's also a peek behind the curtain. And the, the first half of the podcast is you recounting with audio clips from Rush the, uh, the day that he announced to the staff before he announced to the world, the same day he announced to the world that he had advanced lung cancer. Recount a little, because you, you say in the podcast that you didn't have staff meetings. Rush never called the staff together. Everybody knew their jobs. Everybody did it. If you needed it's something you could, it, it, it was a well-oiled machine at that point. So you knew driving in that something was up. What, could you? Mm-hmm. What did you think it could have been? I didn't. I didn't know. <clears throat> All I knew that I, I was tense. Uh, as soon as I heard uh, while driving into work that there was going to be an all hands on deck meeting, we don't we we, we don't have those at the EIB network. We just don't. Um, we've had maybe one. I think that I can remember. Maybe there was another one. I only remember one in the entire thirty three years. And so I knew something was wrong. And <clears throat> and we had a staff member who was actually on vacation that was called back from vacation. I didn't know that while I was driving in, but when when I realized that the person was also there, um, it was just like, oh, my gosh, something is really wrong mm-hmm. because she's supposed to be on vacation. So, um, yeah, it was a, that, was a, uh, that was a day, as I say in the podcast, I'll never forget, and I don't think any of the other staff will forget. And... But the other thing is that it points to kind of the the incredible businessman that Rush was, the way that he ran this network. Rush was this was Rush's network. I mean, Rush had business partners, yes. Premier is a business partner, yes. Uh, iHeart is a business partner, yes. But this was Rush's network, and and the fact that we didn't have his staff, we didn't have staff meetings, we didn't have all that. Now, individual departments may have had meetings, like the web crew. They have meetings, I'm sure, on the Limbaugh letter side, there are meetings. But as of overall staff meetings, we, we didn't have them because what Rush did was hire amazingly productive, talented people and then let them go. He let them do their jobs. We went, and, and the idea was that you knew what to do, and we all did. We all wanted to just produce excellent work. We all wanted to make sure that our work was up to the standard that we knew Rush wanted. And he was, um, and, and we had such low turnover. Most of the people that came on to work with the IB had been there for decades. We, 
when you when you got a job here, you stayed here because it was a great environment to work with. Rush was an amazingly generous and great boss, and um, and we just loved what we did. And more importantly, we all loved Rush. You know, I get a lot of attention because of my back and forth with Rush, which was on the air, some of it. But everybody on that staff, everybody on the EIB staff, to a person, worked as hard as I do. They all love Rush as intensely as I do. We all did as a, as a group of people. And we all were devoted to our jobs and to being excellent. So, you know, I, I felt some guilt over the years being the one that had had the interview time with people like, like this one and even hosting a series. Anybody on our staff could tell you the same thing that I'm telling you about Rush because that's how amazing he was. And that's how tight-knit they were. Like I said, I, I we're talking with James Golden, Bo Snerdly from the Rush Limbaugh Show about his new podcast, Rush, the Man Behind the Golden EIB Microphone, which is available everywhere now. Subscribe to it. I, I know two other people who work in New York on the website, mostly, up there. And I, I talked to one of them, Dean, afterwards. I interviewed him for, for my podcast. And he conveyed the same sort of thing. There was this sense of immense love and trust rush trusted his staff unquestioningly and right. dean would say he'd send him things during a monologue and rush would incorporate it right away and and it was just it was almost like a, a hive kind of everybody knew their parts every every he opened up a clock every gear in there serves a purpose it seems like every gear in the rush limbaugh show served a purpose and how do you get to that point? Do you remember interviewing for the job or getting the job? How did that come about for you to become I the gear the that job you did? Because I was rotated on the job. I was at WABC Radio, where, by the way, I'm back on Saturdays now doing the Saturday show at my home radio station, WABC in New York. Um, <clears throat> but I, the, the deal was at the time that Rush had uh, had, had an arrangement with WABC where they would provide him with the engineer and the call screener. And there were two other snurdlies before me. No one remembers them, thankfully, because I've been there <laughs> that long. Not blood so relatives. I was rotated, I was rotated on the job, and, and I stayed there, and I clicked. Rush and I clicked. Well, Rush and I had clicked before. I mean, even before I was working for him, I had interaction with him. I, was, I would bring back news stories to his office. I thought that uh, he might have interest in... He and I had a relationship before then that I would call a friend. You know, we, we had become friends. But once I rotated on and he became my boss, you know, and, and it was, it was swift. Um, it, it was swift. And then came, um, at the time I was working for ABC, and then came the day that my employment with WABC came to an end. And within hours of that happening, Rush had brought, just said, up, oh, you're full-time with me now, period. That was it. It was no discussion. It was just, and I even forgot the reason. I think they were doing, you know, this was one of the first rounds of layoffs. You know, you're in the radio business. There are these rounds of layoffs that happen every now and again. Right. And so I got caught in one of those, and I had been with uh, WABC for decades, for over a, well over a decade at that point. So the, at the very day that I got my layoff notice from WABC, uh, Rush just said, no, forget about that. You're on full-time with me now. And that was that. 
<laughs> and it, it quite because back then, correct me if I'm wrong, James. Rush was doing a local show and his national show, was he not? He was doing the local show, but that had gone away. That went away real quick. That was a demand that was put on uh, the syndicator at the time, EFM Network, in order to clear the show in New York, in order so the show could air in New York. That they also. WABC local wanted an hour of Rush local. local. They teamed him up with the news director over at the time, Kathleen Maloney, a wonderful woman who, and that was an interesting show, but it just wasn't the, the show that Rush wanted to do, the national show, obviously. He didn't want to focus just on New York. Mm-hmm. So that show went away very quickly. As the radio stations in the, syndica- in the syndication company started to grow, it started at 56, it started moving up, you know, 56, 70, 80, 100, 150, 200, that show. What was it like at that time when you, you, because you, you're, you're breaking new ground. You, this hadn't been it done. Heady. It was heady. And to me, I look back on it now, it all seems like a blur of activity. Hard to remember specific details because it all was happening so fast. Everything was just light speed. Then the next thing we know, there were reporters coming in to do interviews. Um, Rush was on TV. Rush was on magazine covers. Rush was on this magazine cover. And then, of course, the liberal haters started. Mm. And they've never since. The liberal haters tried to do... Rush was the precursor to the uh, to the cancel culture. They tried to cancel him because he was effective in bringing people over to, uh, to look at politics very differently. And that's when the hatred started. That's also when I will always remember this one of the two major wire services left did a story on how Rush... Uh, was was uh, misleading people, and they gave examples, supposed examples of things he had said on the show that were wrong. Well, as it turns out, these were all talking points that this wire service had taken from a group calling themselves Fairness and Accuracy or something like that, some, some little media-concocted group of bunch of leftists. Well, Rush went through and gave source material for every single story that he used that they had cited. And this is a major, major wire service. Major. And they refused to print it. (sighs) They let the lie stand instead of correcting it journalistically for the truth. And that was a precursor of what our media was going to become and what our mainstream press is right now. Well, the, the the cancel culture and the attacks on Rush were, of course, legendary and continual. Did did he ever take it personally? And I know you. How did you stop from choking somebody? How did you stop from going after? Because even if if it was water off of Rush's back, I can't imagine it was you let it go. I was angry. Um, I was very very angry at some of these attacks and. You know, and Rush, but Rush just kept his composure throughout everything, and I think that helped to mitigate everything for all of us. But of course, he he had to take some of it personally. I mean, he's, but but Rush had a thick skin. You know, he kind of understood. Okay, this is the, you know, this is the level that I'm playing at now. This is the level of engagement, and he responded accordingly. Of course, it still bothers me. No, you still uh, respond to nasty things with with kindness uh, on social media, but you still I try to all the time just because that's the right thing to do. But um, but I, but and I'm not even talking about some of those trolls. Those trolls, please, not worth even getting angry at. They're 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 unfortunate. They're, 
I mean, think about it, how, how your life has to be. What it must be like to live in a body where you're filled with hate for someone that you never even listened to. I mean, I feel sorry for those people, and I, and I mean that. I'm not trying to say that in a deprecating way. I really do feel sorry for people who are filled with hatred for people they don't even know based on something someone else told them. And they don't even have the wherewithal to check it out for themselves. I mean, how pathetic. I, I, do, I would hate to be trapped in that kind of a life. But I'm talking about some of these institutions, uh, some of these broadcast institutions, where you have reporters that can ferret out the truth, where you have people that if they wanted to could be truthful, and they're not. Those are the ones that kind of make me angry because they know that they're being dishonest. They know that these attacks that they do on, and, and this was a precursor of what it was going to be like watching the, uh, the, the mainstream press operate during the Trump years. Exactly the same thing on steroids. Well, I, I would, I'm not sure that they could actually ferret out the truth. I think that muscle in the journalism world has atrophied to the point that it's, it's unusable. Uh, James Golden, the, the man behind the Golden EIB microphone, in episode one, it goes from you telling the story of Rush announcing his diagnosis to the staff and then the world to Rudy Giuliani. In between, there's a little bit of a, there's there's a clip of David Limbaugh, a friend of mine, in there. Who can we, like I said, Rudy Giuliani is featured prominently in the first episode. Who can we look forward to in future episodes? You'll have to get the future episodes. Well, roll a couple of names out. I'm going to listen either way. What Everybody listening is going to listen. What the hell? Hey, even Santa asked for a list. Subscribe to the podcast. I have subscribed to the podcast, well, James. We're, talk, we're going to be talking to some of Russia's family. I want to know what's in that box before I open it, man. Yeah, open the box. We're going to be talking to some of his friends. <laughs> <laughs> we might even talk to a substitute guest host that did the show once. I, mean, I highly doubt that you've got standards for this thing, but uh, no. It, well, you you've gone on. You, you do a lot of other. Tell me, as you were getting involved, because you have Golden Communications and you have the New Journey Pack and everything like that. Working for Rush Limbaugh, it, it never diverted from your time or anything. But how supportive was Rush in in you and other staff members? Going, I'm gonna, I'm not leaving. I'm not gonna let my job suffer. But I want to branch out and do other things because a lot of bosses totally don't want that. Supportive of everything. Um, you know what? One of the things when I started the pack, I went in and I told him. I said, you know, Rush, I did something. He looked at me like, okay, what'd you do? And I told him <laughs> I started NewJourneyPack.org. NewJourneyPack.org. One more time. NewJourneyPack.org. So I told him, thank you, Derek. So I told him, and if you ever tried to do that on the Rush Show, man, I would freaking string you up. <laughs> um, just, just for the record. I know. Um, okay. But, 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 so when I told him that, he asked me why, and I told him. Um, and I told him it was primarily to try to help move the black vote and also the service of defense because we wanted to find, because I'm tired of waiting around. And this goes back to what you said, Derek. I am annoyed that our side has done so little to defend our heroes. Yes. Be they Rush, be it Sean, be it Donald Trump, be it any of our talk show hosts that occasionally draw the, the ire of these people on the left. When, when, when a member of the left is attacked, the, the entire left mobilizes to protect them. Just look at Eric Swalwell. They circled the wagons around him while he was sleeping with a Chinese spy. Right. Exactly. 
Now, when somebody on the right gets attacked, whether it be Rush, whether it be Donald Trump, whatever, all these Republican establishment types sit on their hands, and they're just like, uh-oh. It's almost like they're afraid to do combat. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons I, I formed the pact. It's like, look, no, we're going to combat these people. I'm tired of being on the outside all these years watching our side get hammered, especially on this racial crap. And then we do nothing in response. So I decided to uh, form a group that would do some response. But, see, the thing is, it never took away from the job. I hired, well, we hired um, and, and found an amazing guy, Audrey Pruitt, to run it. So I don't have to run it day to day. And Audrey understands my energy is um, in in the Rush show. And But I still do as much as I can with the pack. But it is run by a guy who knows what he's doing and who feels the same way we do. So that was good. I, I would never, if something started interfering with the show and the, the time that I could put in the show, whatever that was in my life, that thing had to go. No, I, I hear you. The website is newjourneypack.org, or you can just go to maga.black and, and find out more about it. Last question, James, really quickly, because it's something that I was never successfully able to do. I never even got you to hang up on me on the phone, except in, in our, our friendship, but not in your professional capacity. How, what was the secret to getting past Bo Snurdly to get on the Rush Limbaugh show? You have to be bright, articulate, intelligent, be able to express your point really quickly, and hope that I'm in a good mood. <laughs> but Rush always said on the air that there was a secret to the timing of calling when a there line... There was, and I'm, not, I'm never going to reveal that. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it! I always got the busy signal. I'd even call an hour before the show, and it was busy. It bothered me that I never got through, but... Oh, well, I can still bother you at all hours of the night. James well, Golden. you're on the radio now. You, you're on the radio, and, 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 you, um, and you're also a writer, and you're also like this multi-talented, multimedia personality in your own right. So anything that you have to say, you can say, and there's always going to be a big audience for what you do. You were doing podcasts before a lot of other people were doing podcasts. You were doing, your, you know, your writing is insanely incredible. And, and and I don't know why, by the way, since we're speaking about that, I don't know why, you know, you're, you're an author, you've done all of that. I don't know why there's not a movie about Derek Hunter and the life of Derek Hunter yet, because you've <laughs> had amazing success. Uh, you want to play the role of me? We'll, we'll cast it right now. Yeah, that'd look pretty funny, wouldn't it? You're almost as tall as I am. <laughs> James, uh, the check is in the mail for that last little bit. We're going to encapsulate that. I'm going to make it a ringtone. Uh, the podcast, Rush Limbaugh, the man behind the golden EIB microphone, available everywhere now. Subscribe since you won't tell us who's coming up on it. Uh, continued success. Go to maga.blacknewjourneypack.org. James Golden, Bo Snurdly. Thanks so much for your time, buddy. Derek, thank you. And thank you for your great friendship. It, it means a lot to me to have you as a friend, especially, you know, friends are easy to have when things are great, but when things are going the way that they go bad, sometimes you really count your friends and they're a blessing, and you're one of those. Thanks. Well, thank you. We'll be right back.